corporate prayer at the end of tonight. And I'm going to need a, let's do this, let me have maybe three, three young men or young ladies volunteer to come up here and pass out some stuff for me, if you would please. Okay. Hey, young man. Just make sure uh, teens, teens and adults, okay? Teens and adults, please. All right, let me get this unfrozen. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 3 as they're passing those out. First Timothy chapter 3. Oh, it helps if I'm plugged in. Well, thank you, sir. There we go. 1 Timothy chapter 3, so in two weeks, we'll be, uh, Brother Pennington will be here, our missionary for, in Bible translation, looking forward to that, that's, that's something I've always had a heart for, there are multiple, multiple languages without God's word in their language, and here we have, I mean, our problem is not finding a copy in our language, it's deciding what translation, right, and so many people in the world do not even have that opportunity at all. And so this is a man, and takes quite a bit of education, quite a bit of dedication. This is a man and his family who have dedicated themselves to going to a people group that do not currently have the Bible, translating the Bible into that language. And I know he's picked one, and I'm, I would mess it up if I even tried to say who it was, because I honestly can't remember. It's somewhere in the Asia area, and he'll be here next Sunday night. Tonight, I would like to do a first of a three-part series over the next Sunday nights that I am preaching. Okay, Obviously, he'll be presenting his ministry next Sunday night. But tonight, I would like to do a series on spiritual leadership. And here's the reason. Because we're here. We're here. We're at this point in our church. And as we continue down this road that the Lord has for us, um, by the way, this is not my road, okay? We have, uh, myself, the, the leadership that is in place now, the leadership team that I, that I meet with uh, every other month, we have, we have all been on this process, on this journey. You've been on this process and this journey, and we are, we're ready to take another step, and we need to take another step, okay? And this is not, has nothing to do with changing how it's always been done, nothing to do with that. It is merely upgrading to fit the needs of where our church is going, okay? And so tonight, here's what I would like you to do. We're going to talk about three different segments of spiritual leadership in the church. Um, pastor, elder, okay? We're going to talk about deacons. We're going to talk about other spiritual leadership in the church that don't fit those two brackets over the next three weeks. Tonight, because we're getting ready to roll over and begin choosing um, at least one new deacon from our church body, we're going to start with deacon tonight. And we're going to do it. That's, that's what I have given you this paper, okay? So let me just clear any misnomers about this paper. This is not, this is not a power play. You are not to put your most favorite person in the world on here. That's not what this is about. I am giving each of you a voice. At the end of this, not right now, at the end of this, I'd like you to take a writing utensil. If you'd be so brave, start with your name at the top. Okay, please understand, if your name is at the top, we will throw this away. So your name needs to go at the top. And then you put, once we, once we look at God's word, you put who you think in your mind, doesn't even have to be someone that's right here, but somebody in our church membership, that would fit the bill 
of a deacon at Eastside Baptist Church. Okay? Whoever you put there, may, they may not even get considered. I have no idea. Okay? But I want to hear from you. I want to know who you think the spiritual leaders in this church really are. Okay? I, I would like to hear that from you tonight. And they will all be considered. I promise you that. I can't guarantee they'll be qualified. Can't guarantee they'll even want to do it. But they will all be considered. Okay? This is nothing political going on in Eastside Baptist Church. At least not that I'm aware of, okay? So here we are tonight in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Here's the second thing I would like you to do. I think most of us, if not all, have been in church for quite a few years. I'm looking. Yes, I think most, if not all, have been in church for quite a few years. So we've been in evangelical churches that have had uh, pastors, elders, deacons, maybe trustees, something like that, some type of spiritual leadership, and you've probably, because pastor, elder, and deacon, bishop, overseer, they're all in the scripture. Those are scriptural words that we've used. So you've had some teaching on that at some point, probably. So you have ideas, and they might be scriptural ideas. They might be what somebody told you. Here's what I'd like you to do tonight. I'd just like you to wipe that slate clean, if it's at all possible, and just look at the Bible tonight. And I'm not trying to correct anything you're doing. I'm saying let God give you an accurate understanding of who a deacon needs to be, who a deacon should be, and maybe you ought to consider being a deacon. Okay? So let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. Let me read uh, the passage we're talking about here. This is from Paul, a father, if you would, in the faith, to Timothy, a young pastor. And he is teaching him. And when I say young, I don't mean 16 years old. Okay, we don't know exactly how old he was, probably late 20s, early 30s, but Timothy is a young pastor. And we're in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. And we're going to look down at the qualifications that Paul lists for deacons that, so Timothy could look out at his men in the church, I think he's at Ephesus right now, at the church that he is pastoring and say, these are men that could be deacons. And now the process that he would approach them Quite honestly, it's not really said here, probably because it doesn't really matter. All right, What it matters is you follow the Lord, be led of the Holy Spirit, and you pick spiritual men to be spiritual leaders in your church, however you do that. We'll go over how it's been done in the scriptures, and we'll see from there. So here we are in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. Likewise, okay, he said likewise because he just gave the whole list of qualifications for the pastor. We'll talk about that next time. Likewise, must the deacons be grave and double, not double-tongued, <laughs> not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. All right, would you go to the Lord in prayer with me? And let's, let's ask the Lord really to help us tonight. Father, we need your help once again. We stand before your word, Lord, in awe of who you are and awe of your wisdom that you have looked down through time, our time. We understand you don't dwell in time, Lord. You see all things past, present, and future. But you've looked down at our specific time and you knew what we needed even before we got here. 
You've already prepared the way. Lord, as we look at your truth, as we look uh, in chapter 3, as you, as you used Paul to tell Timothy that there were certain things that needed to happen in the church, certain ways to behave, um, that believers should behave themselves in the church, and, and these were part of those ways, Lord, having spiritual leadership. Lord, would you guide us as we try to understand this, as we try to see it the way you see it, Lord? so that we might continue to allow this church to be built the way you want to build it. That you would build a church that is strong in faith. You would build a church that is advancing against the gates of hell, Lord. You would build a church that is knocking down the doors of false religion, knocking down the strongholds that Satan would like to take in our town first, but across this nation. I pray you would send out many from this Baptist church. You'd use this church to build your kingdom in a mighty way. I know you desire to use us to do that, Lord. We're asking you to help us be the type of people that can be usable. Lord, we love you. In your name I ask, amen. All right, so when I, when I have on here, well, this is actually not my template, but I liked it, renewing your mind about leadership, because so many times we can have kind of a stereotype of, of how we think or... Really, all of us have a little bit different personality, even if some of us are leaders now, and we, we like certain types of leadership, others we don't. Uh, I would want to be like this, or I'd never want to be like that. Or maybe we've been under leaders, it was like, well, I had a really bad experience with this one, so I don't like that kind of leadership at all, but I had a really good one with this one, so I like that kind of leadership. We have all sorts of different thinking, and our lives have kind of shaped that thinking, right? So tonight, if you can, if you can, it's tough, I know, just kind of melt all of that away. Say, Lord, show us who the spiritual leaders in your church need to be, what that looks like, if it needs to look like anything. Let's have a totally open mind, just look at God's truth so that he can educate our consciences. Amen? So that when we see good leadership or bad leadership, we'll know one way or the other, that's awesome, that's not right. We'll look at the word for his education here tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 3. So first of all, let's look at just a basic question. What is... A deacon, and I hate to be super basic, but let's just make sure we're all on the same page. Deacon is one of the officers that the Lord Jesus Christ specifically, uh, God specifically gave us in the Word of God, okay? The first one is um, the pastor, elder, bishop, overseer, whatever label you want to give that position of shepherd in the church. The second position that, that is labeled with qualifications, which we'll look at in a minute, is deacon. Okay, is specifically given as a spiritual office of the church. And the word deacon just means servant. It's the, it's the Greek word in Greek culture, diakonos. Okay, that word diakonos, if you look in the New Testament, you find it's, it's translated in just some different, uh, different nuances of it, but it's all the same thread. Fourteen times diakonos is um, uh, translated to minister. Six times ministers four times servant, three times servants, three times deacons, the actual name deacon. So it's not as important really the name. Any, any more that if some, if some uh, churches wanted to have a pastor or if they wanted to have a bishop or they wanted to have an overseer, it's the same job, okay? It's not, a, I would even, I'm not a fan of the apostle title because I feel like there was only 12, but... If he's filling the role of a pastor and he wants to, they want to call him an apostle, I don't know that they're damaging anything. Um, that's obviously debatable. But 
my point is, it's not the label, it's the title. <laughs> yeah, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> it's not the label, it's the position, it's the job, okay? It's, the, it's the, the form that they will fill that you as a spiritual leader will fill. We see this a couple different places, this word dakinos in Matthew um, 2026. 20, oh, there, missed that nice little slide there. Um, right here, Matthew 20, 26, and 27. He says, but it shall not be so among you, but whosoever, this is Jesus teaching, whomsoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. That's the word dakinos. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. So it's the same thread of serving, ministering, helping. This is the word that is used for deacon. Okay, in Romans chapter 16, verse 1. He says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant. Okay, well, here is the word dakinos again. This time it's translated servant of the church, which is at Centria. And the list goes on and on. And they're all around this minister, servant, servants, deacons. So here's the long and the short of it. You have pastors and elders. Those are the shepherds of the church. You have deacons. Those are the servants of the church. And it doesn't mean that there's no other servants in the church, but this is a spiritual position that we find in the Bible that you can specifically fill. And, and the, the reason we label it as a, as a position because it has qualifications. In other words, not just anybody can be a deacon, not just anybody can be a pastor elder. They have to fit a certain level of qualifications. It does not set them over and above like they're a better person. It sets them forth as an example. And it's very, very important that when we set leadership in the church, this leadership is not perfect by any means. This leadership, however, is somebody that you can follow. That's the point in the qualifications, okay? So we go on, what is a deacon? A deacon is a servant. Let me get to the next one here. Letter B, uh, letter B a deacon assists the pastors and elders. This is the job of a deacon. Uh, the deacon's role is not a power player in the church hierarchy or the church government, biblically speaking at least. The deacon is specifically a servant. Who is he serving? He is serving the people with the oversight of the pastor's elders, however you want to call that situation, okay, that shared leadership there. And we'll talk about that next time. The deacon assists the pastors and elders as a servant of the church. We see it right here in Philippians chapter 1. Okay, on the screen behind me, Paul and Timotheus, this is his salutation at the beginning of a letter. The servants of Jesus Christ, this is Paul and Timothy, he's labeling, this is what we are. We're the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, the town, with the bishops, bishops, pastors, elders, overseers, same, same job, with the bishops and deacons, diakonos. So there's both positions that are working alongside of each other. Both positions. Interestingly enough, Paul and Timotheus at the beginning, they're both pastors. And what did they call themselves? The servants. So this is not a power play. It's not pastors, shepherds, elders are better. It's a different role. That's really all it is. They're the shepherds. Deacons specifically are the servants. They have a specific role to play. So he uses that different word to describe deacons. So the next thing we see is a little bit of Bible history that the only place we actually see deacons being chosen is in uh, Acts, Acts chapter 6. So I'll let you turn there. Go ahead and keep your place right there in 1 Timothy. Turn to Acts chapter 6 because we want to read a few verses here, okay? Acts chapter 6. 
to the left there. The first seven deacons, we believe, were chosen to serve in Jerusalem. They were not chosen to be on the first deacon board. doesn't say anything about that. They were not chosen to pick the next pastor, even though our deacons do that. Um, they were not chosen to lead a church. They were specifically chosen for a purpose, and the purpose was to serve the people of the church at Jerusalem. And let's read exactly that aspect here as we see exactly, Lord, what, what do you want us to know about spiritual leadership in our church moving forward? It's so important. Spiritual leadership determines the direction of our church. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. I don't hear too much pages turning, so we'll go ahead and start. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So what is he saying? The church is growing. Remember Acts chapter 2, Peter preached the message, told them about Jesus Christ. Thousands were saved. I mean, keep in mind, Jesus was just recently crucified. He is now ascended to heaven. He has empowered the apostles, given them some temporary miracle sign gifts to promote the message of the gospel. This was a brand new message. And they were doing just now, and people were coming to Christ by the thousands. They needed help. It's only 12 apostles. Right away, they were running out of time to do what they needed to do. One of the issues was, in verse number one, the widows of the Grecians, the Greeks, their widows were being neglected in the daily ministration, so they had a ministry to the widows. Some of the widows were getting neglected. Why? Because there were so many of them and not enough spiritual leadership available. So, verse number two, then the 12, that's the 12 apostles, called the multitude of the disciples unto them. All the people had been saved. They called them together. They're, they're this, this brand new church in Jerusalem. They said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Well, hold on. I mean, aren't pastors, shepherds, aren't they servants? Well, yeah, but that's not the issue. The issue is there's only so much time in a day, even 2,000 years ago. And they said, listen, if we go and, and uh, take head on this widow's ministry, we're not going to have time, as you can see in a second, for the ministry of the word and prayer like we should. And that's really our main focus. That's what it needs to be. It says, it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, because of this, Look ye out among you, this big crowd of disciples, people who have gotten saved. Look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom ye may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and they give a they list of seven men. It says in verse 6, whom they set before the apostles, when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. They ordained them, in a sense. And it says, The word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. By the way, I'd like to point out, you know, when the, when the apostles presented this idea, okay, this was just an idea, hey, we need to take care of this ministry. It's important. However, the apostles, 12 apostles, couldn't do everything, so they were enlisting help of people that, from the congregation of disciples that would be spiritual leaders and would, and would step up, but they didn't take volunteers. What did they do? They asked the people in the congregation to look out among everybody, and you pick seven men of honest report. And when they got those nominations in, then they looked at those men and they decided on seven, seven men that were filled with the Holy Ghost, um, seven men with impeccable honesty and integrity, 
Men that would do the right thing, that would follow God at any cost, and they picked those men, they laid their hands on them, they prayed, which is very similar to what we do as a congregation, ordained them, that's just putting their stamp of approval as a church on them, and they gave him that title. Okay, they, not even, we don't even see the word title in here, but we are with almost 100% certainty looking at this. This is exactly um, the job and the, the uh, MO of a deacon that we're getting ready to read in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I don't know what else it could be, but these guys were um, first century servants, but at the same time, spiritual leaders. By the way, well, let's see, what do we got next? So what, okay, let me, let me just tell you this. So we're in Acts chapter six. So what was the results of this? You know, if we were to question, well, was that a good idea? Was that not a good idea? You know, I mean, maybe the, maybe the apostles just sort of manned up a little bit and put in some more hours. You know, I mean, why, why should other people have to do the work when they're getting paid to do it? Or maybe, uh, you know, the apostles, well, I mean, they just, what, what's wrong with them? Or I, I have no idea. I'm just saying, you don't, you don't hear any of that in the passage. What do you hear? The people said, oh, that's a good idea. It's a good idea. So let's look out and let's pick some men. And they did. They picked the men. They ordained them. They became these servants in the church, servant leaders. And what's the results? Well, look at this. Number one, it says in uh, verse number seven, here's what happened as a result of this decision. The word of God increased. Well, that makes perfect sense, right? Because now the apostles could dedicate their time to the ministry of the word and to prayer. Very important. It says the word of God increased and... Number two, many souls were saved. The number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. How? Well, I could only guess it a couple different ways, but the ministry of the word was now front and foremost. God was using, I mean, they were praying, they were dedicating themselves to the word of God, to preaching the word of God, to teaching the word of God, and people were out there ministering, giving of themselves, taking responsibility and ownership in this first church in Jerusalem. It says many souls were saved. The number of disciples, followers of Jesus, multiplied greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. They had so much impact doing, using this method. They had so much impact that the church was booming. Vast numbers. It was even affecting the priests that... Uh, you know, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, those that were in religious leadership, they were getting saved as well. All because of a decision to add some deacons. Deacons are very valuable. I, you know, I, I love this model. Um, one of the reasons I personally love it is because it spreads the responsibility out to everybody. And that's not a play to do less work. From a pastor standpoint, that is, that is a play for you to be able to experience what I experience on a daily basis. To be able to use my gifts to, I mean, 150%. I don't ever have a day where I'm sitting around with nothing to do. There's just so much. I mean, literally, I have to prioritize. And the low priorities just drop off the bottom. There, I have so much that I get to do. And this gives you some of that. It's an awesome, awesome thing. It's a, it's a wonder to serve the Lord. It really is. Um, so deacons. All right, well, here we go. So that was what does a deacon mean? We got the basis of that, right? He's, a deacon is a servant. 
A deacon is somebody that serves under the elders, pastors, uh, bishops, whatever you want to call them. And the results of deacons in the Bible, we see that there were seven picked. There were men filled with the Holy Ghost. By the way, some of these men didn't just stay deacons, right? They started deacons. They took on this position. But then later they became men that really stood strong in the faith. Remember Stephen? He was one of them. He ended up preaching a message in front of all the religious leadership. They got so angry, they stoned him and they killed him. And he stood there and he said uh, something to the fact like Jesus did. Forgive them for they know not what they do. And guess who saw that? Saul. A man stood there holding the coat of those who were stoning him. Stephen's testimony, we know later on, was instrumental in bringing Saul to Christ, to getting, to getting Saul, who became Paul, saved who we are reading one of his letters tonight from a deacon. Another deacon was Philip. Philip became a great evangelist. We read several places where God used him greatly as well. So a deacon is not, well, if I'm a deacon, that's all I can ever be. Absolutely not. It is another step in leadership. It is me taking my gifts, taking uh, what God has done in my heart. I'm going to step up and I'm going to lead people. And it is an opportunity. It's a great one. Who can be a deacon? Well, let's look at that. For not all spiritual leadership has qualifications. In other words, listed out quite so carefully in the scriptures. Uh, we all want all, all spiritual leaders in our church and every church of Jesus Christ to be somebody that is able to be followed. But pastors and deacons do have specifically labeled instructions in the scriptures. And so we definitely want to follow those. So who can be a deacon? He says there, and we're back in 1 Timothy now, so let's go ahead and turn back there, okay? 1 Timothy chapter 3, and let's just run through these qualifications. We won't take a ton of time on these. And as you are thinking of somebody in this location, Eastside Baptist Church, somebody you know is a member at Eastside Baptist Church, somebody you think is a spiritual leader in our church that would make a good deacon, you think, as we're looking through these qualifications, you might have already had a mind come. Now as you have that name in your mind, um, that name has come to your mind, now begin looking at these qualifications and see, you know, I, th I think they would fit that. And I'd love to see uh, the name that you put. At the end of the service, we're going to fold those in half and we'll have some ushers come and collect them in the offering plates here. We have offerings in the front, offering plates in the front row. So who can be a deacon? So he says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, likewise must the deacons be grave. So there's a similar set of qualifications for pastors and deacons. They're very similar, actually. One big difference is the pastor has to be apt to teach. The deacon does not. So deacons are specifically assigned to serving. It's not that a deacon can't teach, and it's not that a pastor can't serve, but there are specific roles that God lays out for them. Okay? So likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. The first set of qualifications we see are personal qualifications. So a deacon has personal qualifications. There are things about his person that have to meet a certain standard. And this is not, uh, you know, it can sound really scary and daunting, honestly. I, I almost think, so it has to be widely accepted that these things are true, but all of us know that every standard in the Word of God is just that. It's a standard. And I think we can all admit that we've all had to confess many of the times we did not meet those standards. So this is not one of those things where you, hey, you, you, you messed up on the standard, 
So now you're off the deacon board, or you're off the team, or whatever. That's not one of these. These are the standards that we're striving. There should be a general knowledge within the church, within the people that are around this, this man that we're talking about, that they meet these qualifications. Okay? So here we go. Personal qualifications, verse number eight. The first one is grave. Grave just means there is a seriousness. There's a reverence. There's an honesty about this person. He takes the things of God Seriously, it doesn't mean he's never happy and he's always stoic all the time, never smiles. That's not what he's talking about at all, okay? He knows when to be serious. When we're talking about doing things in the church that are serious matters, okay? We're not talking about a youth activity, not talking about playing volleyball. We're talking about restoring a brother. Or we're talking about having the Lord's Supper. Or we're talking about uh, being an altar worker. I mean, there's certain things that need to be taken seriously, right? Grave. He's grave. These are godly men. They're respectable. You wouldn't think of this person and say, oh, he's just a goof off. He never takes anything seriously. That, that might fit the bill at some, some event or something, but deacons are to be grave. They're to be respectable men that we can follow. They're servants, yes, but it doesn't mean they shouldn't be respectable. Second thing is not double-tongued. So there was that word that we were talking about there uh, double tongue. He does not say one thing in front of Zach and then says another thing in front of Sean. He does not say one thing to me and then says the opposite to his wife at home. This is a person that has a known integrity about him that I'm not afraid that if he comes to me and uh, if I tell him something, if I share something, a burden with him, he's going to go and blab it to somebody else. I'm not worried about that. This is a man of integrity. This is a man that knows how to take things seriously. I'm sharing my heart. These are respectable men. Uh, the, th- the third thing, chapter, or sorry, verse number eight, we continue on. Not given to much wine. So the word given there, okay, and I know this is a controversial issue. Well, it could be humanity. Uh, not given to much wine. Well, that doesn't, it's so much wine. So he can drink a little. So how much is too much? And we just go down this rabbit hole, okay? But here's the word given. Not given to much wine. The word given here means literally to give attention to. Okay? It's the same word, just hold your finger right there, in chapter 4. Look at chapter 4, verse 13. Okay? If you have to turn the next page, go ahead. Chapter 4, verse 13. At least in the King James Bible, it says, Till I come, give attendance to reading. It's that same Greek word that's give right there as well. So what is he talking about? If you go back to chapter 3, where we're at, he's talking about this person cannot be someone who gives attention to wine. Okay? doesn't mean he's never tasted it. doesn't mean it might, you know, I can't set the parameters here, okay? I'm not even going to do that. But he doesn't give it any attention. It's not on his radar. He's not a drinker, okay? He cannot be one that gives attention to wine or alcohol. So here we go. He does not pursue riches. We continue down, verse number eight, not greedy of filthy lucre. It does not mean he is poor. That's not what it's talking about there. It means he's not greedy. Quite honestly, some of us are better at making money than others. That's a fact, and it's a blessed fact. Well, maybe not if, you're the, not if you're the one that's not good at making money, right? But it's a blessed fact that we have people that are good at making money. It, it helps everything else. It greases the wheels. It makes everything run a little bit better. But this man cannot be greedy of filthy lucre. It's not the fact that he has money that's not his pursuit in life. 
That's not what he's always thinking about. I need more money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set all my priorities so I'm going to make more money because that man has the wrong priorities, and that's not what we want in spiritual leadership. Nothing wrong with money. It's the pursuit of it. The acquiring of riches is not his goal in life. He prefers diligence, excellence at whatever vocation he's in, and as a result, God has blessed him with money. And that's a wonderful thing. And it's a, that's a spiritual thing, by the way. Let's go to the next one, letter B. There are also not just personal qualifications, but doctrinal qualifications. What does that mean? That's like a big church word, right? That means he has to believe right. He has to have some semblance of his biblical doctrine on straight. This does not mean he has everything figured out. I don't have everything figured out. I'm your pastor. And I hope I never get to the place where I think I have everything figured out because at that point I will stop growing and so will you. The Bible is an eternal book. Eternal. It's the words of an eternal God. You will never reach the bottom of it. But there's certain basic things that are really matter, like salvation. There's certain basic things. You need to know what you believe. And the deacon is a man that we look at, and, and we're not concerned that he's going to go off and join another, another religion somewhere else uh, because he's just really wishy-washy on his doctrine. He is proving by us being around him, okay, he's, this is not a guy that we just, that just joined the church last week. He's proving that by us being around him that this guy, he, he's got his head on straight. He's fallen in the right direction. He's going to stand for what the Word of God says. He's going to teach uh, and, and receive the Word of God. He's studying the Word of God. This is a man that wants to believe right. It says, holding, verse number 9, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure Conscience. Well, that's an interesting word, the mystery of the faith. Well, what does that tell you? That there's some things about it you're not going to get figured out. It's a mystery, and that's okay. But he's holding that mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Didn't we talk about that this morning? He's walking around with a pure conscience. Uh, you know, my conscience is, is constantly getting educated in the Word of God. I mean, it is a well-oiled machine spiritually. And he can look up at the next prospective pastor and say, there is something off with that guy. I don't know what it is. Because his conscience has been tuned to the word of God. Somebody gets in the pulpit when the pastor's gone and is preaching something false, and the deacon that is holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, red flags are going off. There's something wrong going on here. Pastor, don't have that guy again. Or if the guy goes way off, the deacon stands up in the service. Says, sir, that's not right. That's not what the Bible says. Absolutely do that. Make sure you know what you're talking about, but <laughs> absolutely do that. He's holding the mystery of a faith in a pure conscience. There are also other qualifications, testimony qualifications. Well, what are testimony qualifications? It's people, what people have observed in this person. He has a testimony. If someone was to testify about this person, what would they say? What would they see? What have they observed? He says in verse number 10, and let these also first be proved, these men, these deacons, let them first be proved. This is someone who has stood the test of time. Here, uh, I personally believe, uh, I do not know what we've done in the past, but I personally believe you should not even consider them if they have not been around for at least a year. You need time to see what somebody really does, what they really think. Even that's a little bit of a short period. Just depends on, on how much we're around them. But they have to have a testimony that they've been proved. They've been observed. They can be relied on. They haven't been faking this whole time. People have been around them, have been helped, have been blessed. These are men we need in leadership. 
It says, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Well, what does that mean? It means, blameless does not mean that they've never sinned. Okay, that's not what this is talking about. It means that any accusation that comes to that person will not stick. Like, there, there's no accusation that you are not going to give that person that's going to be, oh boy, I wish we would have seen that one coming. It doesn't mean they're perfect. It doesn't mean they never sin, they never fall. These are men of integrity. These are spiritual men that love the Lord, that are holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. They've been around, they've been proven, and they're blameless. I mean, we just can't think of anything bad to say about them, honestly. They're just good men, good sinners, but they're good men. Time proves a man. Uh, then we got some family qualifications. There are family qualifications. Keep going there in verse number 11. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their houses well. So there's a couple family obligations here that he must qualify for. Number one, he partners with his one wife. Okay, no multiple wives are allowed. Currently, our position on this is um, not divorced either. Okay, there's a little debate in Christendom whether that's what that means or not, but that's what we hold here. So he partners with his one wife. You know, as, as a man is leading his family, his wife is important, as men, you know. His wife is important. God thinks so much that his wife is important in spiritual leadership that he actually lays out some qualifications for the wife as well. Sorry, ladies. It lays out qualifications for the wife as well. Let's look at some of those. The deacon's wife. She also must be grave. So she has to have a serious side to her, and she has to be somebody that is viewed as respectable. She is worthy of respect. It's not enough that the deacon is a spiritual leader. He's a good man with integrity. He had to have, had, at some point, had some influence on his wife as well. God thinks that's important. And what about this? She's not a slanderer. In other words, she's the opposite of that. She builds people up with her words. She's not someone that is, uh, her husband's put in leadership in the church, and now she's the, she's the number one gossip column. And she knows everything that's going on, and she's telling everybody and because she needs the scoop. She's not this person. She's the one that you enjoy being around, and you just, you're encouraged by being around her. She, uh, she's not perfect. Sometimes she needs encouragement, but she's an encourager to you. She's sober. What does that mean? That doesn't mean she's not drunk. That just means she's a clear thinker. You know, she, she watches out for the well-being of the flock. She's just not along for the ride. She's looking out. She's got her own head on her shoulders. She has her own way of thinking as well. She's not just a puppet. She's looking at the people, and she sees red flags. I mean, she's educating her conscience in the Word of God as well, and she's partnering with her husband as he's in spiritual leadership. And then it says she's also faithful in all things. I mean, that just means she can, she's dependable. You can depend on this woman. So as you see these qualifications, you see ladies that... You're partnering with your husband. The way you partner with him is a direct, not just a reflection on him, but can be a disqualifier for whether he can actually fill a position. Because the Bible, this is a weighty responsibility, men, the Bible equates those in our family, the, the way they turn out, it equates it with our ability to lead. That's a sobering thought. That's a sobering thought. 
If we go, let me go back. I got this out of line, sorry. He partners with his one wife, but that's not all. He leads the kids and the home, not just leads them, he leads them well. Interesting, right? Look in verse number 12. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. This has been, uh, by the way, same qualification for the pastor. This, this is one of those um, spiritual leadership qualifications that I feel gets slipped under the rug quite a bit. And absolutely, do our children have their own mind on things? You better believe it. They do. But there needs to be an overall unity in your family that they have observed a man and a woman at home that were the real deal. They've observed that in you. And you don't have to lead perfectly for that to happen. You just have to be genuine. You just have to follow the Lord and admit when you're wrong sometimes, but lead them in the way everlasting. Lead your kids, lead your wife that way, men, and you will put yourself in a position of spiritual leadership. And by the way, say, well, I've been divorced, so I'm out of this. Don't think for a minute you're out of spiritual leadership. Absolutely not. You're just out of this one little position. Okay, there's plenty of opportunities, and we'll, that'll be the third week for spiritual leadership in the church. Don't, don't think there's, there's no vacant spot. I'm, I'm sorry, there is no person in this building that cannot lead if they would desire to lead. You say, I want to lead, I want to lead. Well, that's fine. You've got to prove yourself. You've got you to be someone that can be followed. But absolutely every single person can get up to that. Absolutely. It takes time. It takes intention. It takes discipline on our part. It takes dedication to the Lord and to follow him, to be a person that is followable. Deacons are just that. They're followable. You might say, well, I'm going to take on this uh, a job. I'm going to take on this um, job responsibility. And, and, you know, overall, as I'm, I, I will confess, I'm going to confess new pastor-itis here, okay? If that's a thing. It is tonight. So because I'm a new pastor, I, I feel like I'd, I did the best I could with this, but we're, now we're at a turning point. I did not really know what jobs to give our deacons. Uh, I became the pastor, and some of them are older than me. Okay, so I did not know exactly what jobs to give them and, and how to really um, lead them correctly in that sense. And so we are turning a page this fall. We are going to have job descriptions for our deacons so they know um, the position that they're entering in. And that may actually mean that if somebody becomes a deacon, they may have to drop off some other ministries in the church. It's not just add on more responsibility. That, that's not what it's all about. But certain areas that will help the church leadership, and we're coming up with a leadership structure so that everybody can get their own spot. Everybody can be part of this wonderful puzzle that God is building here. God has been putting, I don't know if you've noticed this, God has been putting families here, families here, families here, families here. I'm not talking about where you're sitting. I'm just saying they're bringing it, they're bringing it all over, and you're all just, just a little bit different. And you all have just a little bit different burdens. And you all have just a little bit different vision. And I, I watch you, and, and you volunteer for different things, and you get excited about different things. God is building a wonderfully diverse family. And some of you, he wants to be in leadership. Dare I say maybe all of you, he wants to be on that path to leadership. But just like those deacons, well, they started as a deacon, but a couple of them, when they went, they went higher. They became pastors and preachers. They became evangelists. But not all of them. Some of them just stayed deacons. God has a different 
plug and play for each and every one of his children, but he has somewhere for you to plug and play. Plug and serve. Plug and serve, okay? He has someplace, and it's a wonderful someplace, I can guarantee you, because he doesn't do anything that's not wonderful. So what about deacons? Since we're talking about deacons tonight, I mean, what's in it for me? Let me get through all of this here. What's in it for me? I mean, why should I take all of that scrutiny? Why should I put myself under the microscope? Why should I um, live in a glass house? You know, as, as Confucius says, he who lives in glass house dresses in basement. I mean, why would I want to be a part of that type of lifestyle, right? I mean, everything I do is under a microscope. They see everything. Y'all didn't get that? I, know, I thought that was a funny one. That's like, that's like the Confucius dad joke, right? So you put them together. But uh, why would I want that? Well, read what he says here. There's our last verse for tonight. In, uh, let's see, chapter 3. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 3. For they, verse 13, for they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree, great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And boy, we saw that in Stephen's life, didn't we? This is another step in spiritual leadership where you may have the opportunity to step up. And God is going to take that and use that position that he has created to grow you as a man, to grow you as a spiritual leader, to allow you to use your gifts in a way that you've never used them before. That's a wonderful thing. What's in it for you? You get to serve. Every Christian knows that's awesome. Serving the Lord is wonderful. So let's pray, and then I'm going to ask you to put a name on that list. Let's ask the Lord to help us, though. Father, we've looked at what you have to say about a deacon as best we can. We've observed how we think they've been called in the Scriptures, Lord, these servants of God, Lord, and we know we're all to be servants, but men that have specifically become spiritual leaders in the church and in this role of a servant, serving the people of the church, serving under the pastor, the elder, the, the bishop, the overseer, the shepherd. Lord, they've taken this role of serving very seriously. And they have earned this privilege. Lord, thank you for making things, um, Lord, something's more important in the Christian life, to giving us things to work on, Lord, giving us uh, things to attain to. Father, you didn't just give us a list of commandments and just kind of shove us in the corner. Father, you have, you have created this life for your followers that is so engaging. Difficult at times, yes, Lord, I'll admit that. But it's so engaging and fulfilling to serve others and to live a life that follows you every step of the way. Lord, would you raise up these servants in our church and more than this, even as we study over the next few weeks, all of the positions of spiritual leadership that are available in our church, Lord, and in the church of Jesus Christ. But tonight, Lord, would you bring to our hearts and minds somebody, one person, that in our mind, in our observation, Father, fits this description. In your name I ask. Amen.